0: talk to you Denise. Me too. I was actually thinking this morning as I was putting together just some some questions and things I wanted us to talk about today. I was like it was 2013 you first sort of came on my radar so that Um, was I did b-school and I was like who is this person Denise? Like what is this money bitch thing going on? Why is she so cool? I don't get it. I don't get And then I think I, I think I listened to, it was like, that was the year everything kind of changed for me. I, I discovered Louise Hay. Like I was 100% not on any kind of path of anything. And then I was just starting to introduce myself to little concepts. And I read, and I listened to some of your audio book, I think your very first audio book. And it was like. And now I get it. She's a pretty cool chick. And I've watched you then over the years um, you know, have your
1: children and growing yeah,
0: your business. And there'll be a lot of people from like listening to this podcast who have absolutely no idea who you are because it's not just for um online entrepreneurs, but um for just women who are, you know, just at that point of seeking their the next level like something's mm-hmm. ticking away for them so can you just like give us a give them a little bit of a description about I don't know like Denise 10 years ago what you've built oh, like
1: oh my god yeah right now yeah so I mean Denise 10 years ago was very much seeking her thing right and I've been like this for I mean my whole life I I knew from a really young age I wanted to be a businesswoman, I wanted to be a millionaire and I spent my twenties so frustrated that I wasn't, you know, I was like, when is my million dollar idea just gonna fall into my lap? And I tried a lot of different business ideas. And so it was really ten years ago that I said to my um, very new husband, we'd been married about a year, I said, Look babe, I have I've got to do something to, to change our life because I was feeling really depressed. Um, I was living in London. I was getting really affected by the weather. Um, mm. And it, because I was there for 10 years, it took me a long time to realise that, that was happening because it was a cumulative effect. Mm. And um, we were getting married and that made it kind of almost a bit worse because, you know, when you're having a baby or getting married and that's all that people want to ask you about. Mm. And I wanted to talk about business and entrepreneurship and I was learning about the online world. And people were like, oh, but you just got married! How exciting! And I was like, yeah, but that's not really an accomplishment, you know. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's great, but it's not an accomplishment. Um, and so that's why I was really like. wasn't leading to my wedding day. And now I'm kind of like, done. yeah. And there was, there's so much pressure. Like this is the happiest day of your life, and I was like, God, I fucking yeah. hope not, because. <laughs> I'm stoked to be marrying Mark because Mark is a wonderful husband and father and I knew he would be. But I was like, I don't like my job. All my business ideas have failed miserably. I don't like where I'm living, the city or the apartment. I'm sure living in in London with money would be heaps better than living in London with no money. (laughs) I'm sure I could handle it if I went back. But, you know, like I had a really cold apartment. I never had the right clothes living in London, so I was always miserable and cold and, you know, I was going to a day job and I was just like, there has to be more more to life than this. Mark was in his dream job. He was working for Manchester United Football Club and loved it, but it was working really, really hard and I just was really, really unhappy, to be honest. And so I, I just decided to change my life. I, I asked the universe for a million-dollar book idea um, and then... I went on, We were on honeymoon and I stood under the stars and I did the same kind of wish. You know, I was like, this is what I want more of, freedom, warmth, abundance, adventure. And I came home from that. And honestly, everything did change in my life. Um, I just kind of started winning things out of the blue. And so I won a scholarship to a life coaching um, course. And that was really interesting because the universe was obviously nudging me towards that. I'd been skirting around that kind of life coaching thing for a while but thinking it was super cheesy and like cliches. I was like, no. And then I won a spot and I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to do it. Um, And I wanted to write my first book and I won a publishing course, a self-publishing course. And then all these things happened. But then what I wrote about in my first book, Lucky Bitch, is how I won this travel competition to travel all around the world, all expenses paid for six months. And I knew that that was my lucky break. I was like, I'm going to write books about this. I'm going to talk about this on stage. This is gonna be the thing. And of course Mark was like, What? You want me to quit my job (laughs) and travel around the world? And like, what is this thing? And um and I like I we totally made that into the basis of my business. I started doing life coaching, goal coaching, moved into business coaching and then um, niched into coaching women about money. Um, all women entrepreneurs and um, people who work in jobs and stay-at-home moms, because we all have so many ingrained stories about money and success. Um, and so I've been doing that now for pretty much ten years. Um, since so since that time of like, universe, please send me a million-dollar book idea. And you know, I can honestly say that that book has made me probably about ten million dollars. You serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is
0: amazing. <laughs> That's so funny. And it's, and it's weird. I never knew that about that life coaching um, scholarship thing. Cause I won a scholarship from Sarah Wilson back in mm. 2011 to do the IIN health coaching course. And I'm like, well, I'm not a health coach, but I don't know how many people apply for that. And she just, she gave it to me and I always took that as a sign like I've got to do something with this like there's something here for me you don't just get that without it meaning something and so just sort of kept following my nose at the same time I should have asked for that million dollar <laughs> <I> <laughs> did, late. That. but might have been that 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 set in motion well I guess yeah This the small steps business and this whole thing and I mean it's and multiple millions of dollars but it's taken me you know years to do that but um okay so uh on that on that path of like you know that moment and asking for the idea it would be naive to think that it's just been like taking one step after the other, after the other, and wow, it's all just, you know, <laughs> so oh, money because, falling from the sky. I know. And because I always say to people, I used to say um that having children is the is like a fast track in personal growth. And we all know that. Um, you know, parenthood grows us in ways that it wouldn't happen without that particular life experience. But I have found Entrepreneurship, business ownership has 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 evolved me. Like it's a sort of different. I can't say more. I can't say well, maybe uh, because <laughs> it really keeps pushing me beyond my my comfort zone. And you just got to kind of be up for that ride. But what are some of the major things, like the major stories, the major beliefs you've had to kind of
1: overcome? Well, it's great that you actually mentioned kids because. One of my mantras is babies bring abundance. And I had to start doing that mantra because even when I started my business, you know, and and pretty much straight after we got married, Mark's like, when are we having babies? And I was like, I really want to get my business up and running. Like my business is my first baby. And I had all these stories about what being a mom would do to my ambition, to my focus, to my creativity, to my freedom. All of those things. And so I just kept on saying, I don't know, like, or never, you know? And it wasn't until I really embraced that mantra baby, spring abundance, baby, spring abundance. And every baby that I've had has pretty much doubled my income. Um, not, I mean, not saying it's not freaking hard because it really is. But each time I've brought a new baby into our family, I've had to make some decisions around my boundaries around my offerings, around what I can and can't do for people. And so it's not that the baby has, you know, brought with them money, but it's like it has made me be a better CEO. And all of that stuff is available to anyone, you know, even if you don't have kids. But sometimes it's a life event that stop you know, that, that makes us think, oh, I really need to increase my boundaries. Oh, I need to say no. Oh, my health is being affected by these. Mm-hmm. So I need to... and. You know, you can make those decisions without that, but I I found it that I was procrastinating or having been in fear with a lot of those decisions. So th- that's definitely helped me along my journey. Um, and I still have to work on my fears all the time. Um, I am a teacher of money mindset, mindset in general, and I'm a student of mindset because you know this too. It doesn't. It's not like a one and done. <laughs> <laughs> it's Like constant, yeah. Yeah, it's constant and it's not even like bigger problems, bigger worries. It's kind of the same stuff and the thing that I'm always working through is, oh my God, people are going to think I'm a bitch and I had that same one when I made no money I have the same one now when I make lots more money um, and I just have to work through that in in different ways but that's a constant for me. People won't like me. Um, I just recently hired someone to help me in my Facebook group, my Facebook community And my biggest reluctance was, oh, they're going to like her more than they like me. Wow. (laughs) You know, so I have to work on that. Um, And just I think it's really good to look at your stories about what you think success is going to do in a negative sense. It's really good to uncover all those juicy Um, mindset issues. I can remember the
0: first time I went over to James Wentmore's Mastermind um, over in the US. So this would have been 20... 2017, the start of 2017, and I can remember sitting down in, you know, in this room of awesome entrepreneurs. I honestly felt like the biggest phony being there. And I sat down for my hot seat and I just started crying because I was like, you know, my business is like, it's all taking off. It's all doing the right things, but I don't think I can still be a good mum if the business keeps growing. And that was always my, that was my, Issues. So I started earning income because my youngest was born. I was like, shit, I'm going to have to go back to work if I don't make something happen here. So i would just been, you know, on my Facebook page and a little blog and not taking it seriously. And then I was like, no, nah, I'm going to do something. And so for me, I've only ever known a business amongst children. Uh, so three kids, four and under, you know, launched launched business. <laughs> and so I've always needed those boundaries and, and people and, and I actually think they're my superpower because I literally cannot work when they're around. So I used to just make a lot of stuff happen in that time. But my block was the more success means less time. So it would mean more working. And that's just something that I don't think actually equates. It was just like better outsourcing and better use of my time, sitting in my zone of genius more often and getting other people to do the other stuff.
1: So it's, it's a gift. It totally is. And I'm glad you brought up James Wedmore because I remember when I met him in 2009, right, so I didn't even really have a business but I was going to conferences mm. or oh, maybe it was 2010. And, um, and he said to me, no one can get to six figures without outsourcing. And I went, watch me. And I was like, that's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> what cares? There's no prize for that, right? There's no prize for doing it all yourself. And I would say I I work less than I did um, at six figures now at you know yes. three million over three million. Um, I work way less because you have to because the numbers don't work out. It's there's diminishing returns to your energy, your creativity, mm. um, your workload. And you know I was the bottleneck in my community because I had felt like I had to answer every question. I had to read every question. I had to hold the space myself. So I was stopping that group from, from growing, which is stopping people from working on their money blocks. Um, and so it is a bit of a, like, does mess your head around a little bit to think you have to work less to earn more. Yes. It doesn't to make
0: sense. Know, yeah. James said to me once, Lisa, the rest is the work. And I was like, um, I don't quite understand. <laughs> like, it took me so long to actually get that concept. Okay, so so I mean, you have this huge community of of women of all kinds who who want more abundance, and um, you know, in the form of money or all sorts of different ways. What when you when you observe them because you have been for years and years and years? What do you reckon? Are the main issues that they struggle with like I remember one of my favorite ever clips of yours and I share this with people all the time was the difference between men and women selling and the women are like you know I've just gotta consult my cards like what's the moon doing uh, maybe if I just start low and just get a few people in blow like all this stuff and then the men are like hey I've got this want to buy it and totally. it's like there's this worthiness issue, this recrastination. I'd love to hear more from you about what you reckon gets in the way
1: for us women when it comes to that
0: next level of abundance.
1: Yeah, I think um, it's pretty clear what it is, and this is across all um, countries, income levels, all classes, so it doesn't matter if you're poor or middle class or rich, everyone pretty much has this. And mm-hmm. it's your relationship to working hard and it's fascinating when you think, okay, so if, you, if you're if you in America, right, America has got a very hustle culture um, mm-hmm. so you have to work really hard to make money. Um, Australia, though, has a bit more of a mateship culture. So there's the thing of, well, you do have to work but you don't want to, like, be seen to be hustling like America but mm-hmm. also it's all about being egalitarian, right? So you don't want to earn more than other people in your community or your country or your tribe and then you've got something like maybe in british culture there's a little bit of a kind of a rudeness around hustling right so there's different cultural elements about working hard but most cultures have got um like proverbs about like you don't make money for nothing or like money for jam or money for old rope or um you know another day another dollar um you know there's Money doesn't grow on trees. Money doesn't grow on trees. That's a classic one that I think so many of us have. But then you might have a completely unique relationship to working hard based on your family circumstances. So you might have grown up really wealthy, but say your parent, one of your parents was a lawyer or a doctor and their relationship to working hard is working 100 hours a week. And so then you feel guilty if you're not working 100 hours a week to earn your money. Um, and especially for now when we've got an online kind of all the, the opportunities we can do online, you don't have to work 100 hours a week to make a good living because you can leverage the power of the internet. Your billable hours don't have to be, you know, this, this kind of linear thing but then you might have grown up middle class and had the same thing about, you know, your parents might have had a side hustle on top of their middle class job or they might have still had to work a lot of hours for not very much money. You might have grown up really poor and had the same kind of thing that maybe your parents had three jobs to survive and so you feel super guilty about just like talking on stage or helping people do something that you enjoy as well it feels kind of inappropriate to make easy money if other people in your family have had to suffer and then i would say we've got gender ones as well so most of us um i would say the majority of people our generation maybe our mums worked but not all of them And it's pretty rare that our grandmas worked, you know, and I'll meet people who they had like, you know, a super entrepreneurial um, kind of lineage of women in their family, but the majority of people I speak to, their mums didn't work full time or didn't even earn very much money. You think about that generation too, like the pay gap was even worse than it is now. And so there's this weird thing about, oh, hang on, my mum wasn't able to earn money or she had to work really hard or she wasn't able to have these opportunities. So who am I to have this easy, abundant life? Um, and it feels, I think inappropriate is the word that comes up a lot for women. It just feels icky. It feels disrespectful. Um, and especially if you look at the gender stuff too, it feels really disrespectful for some people to earn more than their dads. Yeah. But yet, yeah, that's the opportunity that a lot of you know women in this space have is to earn lots more money than our parents did and our dads did. and you know, and our friends possibly and even our mentors or people we went to school with. And that seems like it would be a really nice thing, but it actually triggers the shit out of so many people, so many women.
0: I I can remember, so my mum worked, but it was for the extra stuff. It was for, like, to buy concession cards um, or holidays, like the, 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 the fluff on the outside. And I remember... Sort of getting to the point where I was thinking, I'm not going to be the one who's earning. This is not. This is not me tinkering. Like this is going to be a big thing. I want this to be a big thing. And having to come to terms with that. And it actually, um, it was disruptive for our marriage for a little while as well. Because it's not only us that have these stories about money. It's also our partners. And, uh, you know, they come to their life, uh, a relationship or whatever, with expectations. And, you know, and I can remember Nick doing quite a bit of work around almost like he embraced it by the end, but at the start found it really difficult to, I felt a bit maybe masculated because Mm. the idea that he grew up with, his mum didn't work, was that the man earns the money for so it's not only us that is you know we're rewriting it for ourselves and for our children but you know it's also something that they have
1: to go through as well absolutely and this is great that we're having these conversations because it's never been really polite to talk about money Um, and yeah it's weird right but it's so people have been feeling really awkward about it I think for a lot of generations which is part of the problem um so it's great that we can have these discussions and that for men to start speaking up to about what it means for them to have partners who are making banks and potentially being the breadwinners because it, it's just a healthy thing to talk about and you know my husband mark is is pretty um like he's pretty open about that that it's sometimes a bit strange but you know he works in my business now and so it is both of us working in it but there was a Period of a couple of years where I was, you know, vastly out earning him, and he was um, very reluctant to to come come on board because he was just thinking, well, what am I supposed to tell people that I do work for you? And I was like, well, yeah, like it's a family business that happens all the time on the other side. You know, Fine. you meet a lot of male entrepreneurs who their wife is their bookkeeper or their social media manager, often unpaid. Um, but it feels weird doing it the other way around. It's it
0: it is good. I think it's so good to talk about it. Can I just ask you, because um, I, you know, I see a lot of women also get trapped in in their fears. Yeah. And, you know, even get asked all the time, like, you know, how do you know when to walk through your fear? Like I love Liz Gilbert's um, analogy about fear, always being in the car. And you have to just be like, you're not driving. I'm driving back in the backseat, dude. Uh, but how do you think fear kind of holds women back from stepping
1: forward and into their their potential? Well, I agree with Liz that fear is always present. So I think the biggest thing at the start is not waiting for the absence of fear because yeah. you'll be waiting forever. And I saw this uh, actually um one of our mutual friends was saying, oh, I'm waiting for the fear to go away and then I'll start my book. And I'm like, great, you're going to die not having written your book. Like it's never, ever going to go away completely. But saying that, what scares you today won't scare you tomorrow. So there's things that 10 years ago when I started my business, I was terrified to ask for the money. I was terrified to charge anything. I was terrified to put my book out there. And I'm still scared today, but there's slightly different things that I'm scared about um, because you achieve kind of, not necessarily mastery but you feel okay with some of those things and then there's still going to be new stuff to be scared about you know and that's okay too but don't wait for the absence of fear absence of fear is not the goal at all
0: no and it's it's so funny because um my youngest started school this year and she was you know feeling really sad the first few days the first week was really (laughs) rough um Mm -hmm. for her because she was just you know she just had a lot of fears and anxieties and all that stuff and we're driving to school one day and my son who's nine said to her listen you know here's the thing mum gets really nervous when she's doing webinars so and and she does them And we can do things that make us feel nervous because I often say to them, you guys, you know, tonight's a big night, I'm doing a webinar and it's because I'm also flying solo, uh, it's really important for me that they're asleep. And, but yes, I kind of empower them. Then I explain to them sometimes I've got, we call it butterflies and beetles, like when they feel funny in their tummy, you know, with with nerves as opposed to feeling sick. And um, it's just, it's amazing what. What he's picked up is that you can feel scared and you can feel nervous, but you can still do it. And I just, I was like,
1: <laughs> okay. That's really beautiful. Yeah.
0: yeah, so that changed the whole conversation in the car around her side of school. Like you might, you might feel worried for a while, but you can still, still do it. And, yeah, I think that we just have to get conscious of when we're letting fear, you know, just get in the way. I love teaching people about being a normal human response.
1: It totally is. And, you know, when I said what scares you today, won't scare you tomorrow, it's like, you know, the first time you do a webinar, it is so scary because you don't know what you to press and like you're super nervous. And at some point, that will be no big deal. And interviews for me used to be, you know, I'd think about it all night, um, you know, I'd have to do tapping before I get on. And now, you know, like once I did like 200 in one year, I, I just look at my calendar and go, like, oh, cool, I'm talking to Lisa today and I'm just, you know, jumping in the car and totally fine. And so I had to acclimatise myself to that task. Yes. But it doesn't mean I'm still not scared about growing my business to the next level. Yes, yes.
0: I, I wanted to ask you also then, because we do, we do have to move through all this stuff and we're outside our comfort zone often, how important for you has it been to surround yourself with the right people and what are the right people for you like what's helped you kind of grow and, and work your way through
1: well this is why I'm so grateful for the internet I'm so grateful for Facebook because you know I've always um been kind of the outlier in my group of friends where I was always the kid who wanted to start a business and talk about money and so a lot of my friends um not into that you know and then when I was living in London all my friends were management consultants and worked for um, big banks, and so I felt like I was the the weird one who wanted to start an online business because it sounded so dodgy back then starting an online business. Um, so the internet was my uh, like I still I I think of it as such a real thing. Like the friendships that um, you know, and you know, you and I have been in the same groups for a long time too, and it's like those friendships are one hundred percent real to me. Um, oh, yeah. even if I only see that person once every couple of years, there are people that I'm friends with that I've never seen in person. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then there are people that have, you know, it has translated into, you know, in real life kind of meet up for coffees every week kind of thing. But, um, I think that's the only thing that's really helped me because if you don't know anyone who's had a business, if you don't know anyone who's made their own money, it just feel, it feels like a TV. To you, you know, it's like well, it's okay for them; they're the Kardashians, or it's okay for them. You know, that's Sarah Blakely; she's untouchable. But when it's someone that you're one degree of separation from, and they've said, "I've just done this launch and I made this amount of money," or I've sold my book, you go, "Oh my god, I know her! Like maybe I could do that." And that's it. Uh, it just it strengthens your belief that it's possible in the first place. Then it acclimatizes you to the idea that it could be possible for you to, and then you know it's great to have people who are going through similar challenges to you as well because you know like I can't talk to my family about fears around growing my business from three million to ten million they would be like what the fuck (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like what why do you? Want, why would you want to do that? Whereas you know, to be able to have friends that you can have those conversations with is priceless. Priceless.
0: I totally agree.
1: And you know, I've got to say,
0: like from back in the day of who is this chick? And then witnessing you and how you show up so generously in all of the communities that you're a part of, and the um the way that you help and bring other people you know, forward and help them step through. I've really always admired that about you. Um, and I think just to finish off, I'd be really fascinated to know what is your Because I often feel like sometimes when there's shit flying everywhere and I'm like, oh, it's the big vision that I have that almost just pulls pulls me along. I just, you know, connect back into that and it, and it, and it just helps me take the next best step
1: even if I don't quite know if it's, you know, There's
0: no such things right or wrong. is like the next thing, and I'd love to know what your what your big vision is. Is it personal? Is it business related? Is it service
1: related? What? It's it's all the things really. I mean, my first big goal was to not have to go back to my job. Um, Mm -hmm. After we won that competition, I was like, I'm not going back to a job because I just I really hated the lack of freedom around um, that um and then my next big goal i suppose was just to you know kind of hit those arbitrary but still symbolic income goals you know like i really wanted to get to that six figure mark it just felt like such a symbolic goal for me and so those income goals have been important just just to do it but, but often people say like oh wow when you hit the million dollar mark did you just like break down in tears and i was like well, not really because it doesn't happen overnight, <laughs> you know. Oh it's like You acclimatize yourself to all those different income goals and then it's just like, well, cool, we did it, you know. It, it doesn't feel like winning the lottery in a way because um, you've just, you know, you've worked towards it. So that was a big thing and then um, buying a house was a big thing and then buying a bigger house was a, a thing and, you know, so income goals don't really excite me that much anymore. Um, You know, I would like to see what it would be like to make $10 million. (laughs) I've got a very kind of curiosity energy around that. It's not a burning ambition for me. However, um, about a year and a half ago, I bought um, a rose farm and it's a country property that was just going to be like a family kind of property. And then I had a big vision to turn it into a retreat center and a place that entrepreneurs can come and people can get married there. And so I'm kind of motivated to make money again, right? Because I want to build a barn. That's going to cost $200,000. It needs a new roof. That's $200,000. It needs a new kitchen and new bathrooms. That's probably $200,000. And so I've got somewhere now for the money to flow to. Um, I don't think getting desirous about a figure is enough to get through that fear personally. I think you've really got to connect to what that money is for and it's okay for it to be towards stuff like if, you, if that motivates you it doesn't have to be all about philanthropy which I love giving money away for sure but it can be about a car a house or um, a big you know family goal something that gets you excited and for me the roast one gets me excited and that's where I'm going today and just before I got on with you I went to two um, charity shops because I'm collecting antique teapots and mm. um, beautiful hardcover books and, you know, that excites me to spend money on. I'm not that excited about buying a new pair of shoes or a handbag anymore. Nothing wrong with that. But for me, that keeps me connected to the why of my business. And so I really encourage everyone to find, you know, some emotional goal for you. It doesn't have to be a big lofty goal. It's your goal. You don't have to compare it to anyone else's. But that will help you then translate. You go, oh, wow, well, if I help five people in my business, then I can, you know, spend the money on this. Oh, and it's a win-win
0: yes I love that my original was to just be like I need to pay for two days of family daycare for the kids and to clean up once a while oh, yeah it was like what I wanted and if I could do that then awesome and then it's just become more and more and more and now I think um, as a solo parent it's like um you know provide for family <laughs> and children and it's really real I actually see a lot of of, um, of women who are quite comfortable and and maybe don't have that connection to to an actual goal or vision or you know some sort of outcome for getting uncomfortable and pushing through some of the things that they might have to in order to start earning money in the first place or earn good money so I love that and I think it re- I think it translates so easily when it's like if I get that promotion, then I, then we've got that extra bit of money that we can go on an overseas trip or whatever. But we often don't do that necessarily for ourselves um, in our businesses. I love that reflection. Thank you. Uh, I feel like every single one of those topics we could have gone on for about 14 hours
1: just Absolutely.
0: on. <laughs> so great to talk to you. And, um, you know, everyone, I, I assume everyone knows you because I feel like
1: no, yes. they don't. I love no. That's
0: why I love, no, why I love coming
1: on podcasts so I can get to know um, new people and I really encourage everyone to go and check out my books on Amazon. I've got yeah. Lucky Bitch, Get Rich, Lucky Bitch and Chillpreneur. That's a really good way to explore your money blocks and, um, yeah, to start thinking about these these things. And I've got some very practical exercises in there as well. So they're, you know, all the places that – books are sold you know we've got a kindle version a paperback version and an audio version too
0: yeah and so easy to listen to and it's actually your voice it is and yeah i got to read them it's so <laughs> it was it was the best thing for me right in the beginning because it just made me aware of things i had literally no idea about so you were one of those first people to just expose me to principles that have ultimately ended up absolutely changing my life. So definitely everyone should go and check you out. But thank you for chatting to me in your car. Now go and get to the farm and um, do your tinkering. Thanks, Denise. I will. Thanks, Lisa. Take care. Bye. Hey, if you're enjoying the conversation, then it would mean the world to me if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. It really makes a difference and it's my intention to get as many of us involved in real conversations that really change the game as possible. Thanks so much for your help and I'll see you in the next episode.